Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're recording the day after... Forest went away to Elland Road, but unfortunately they lost 2-1 to Leeds, extending the really terrible run of away form and putting Forest in a more perilous position just on the brink of the relegation places. We'll be talking to Stephen, who's fresh back from Elland Road, in a few minutes. Before we do, let's just run through a few match facts. So Forest actually took the lead after just 12 minutes when Aurel Mangala converted after some good work from uh, Emmanuel Dennis on the left-hand side. But within a few minutes, Jack Harrison knocked in a rebound after Kaylor Navas spilled a goal-bound shot from Mark Rocker. And just in first-half injury time, Luis Sinistera cut in from the left-hand side and placed a curling right-foot shot past Navas to give Leeds United the half-time lead, which they held until ball time. Forrest had lined up with Navas in goal, Williams and Toffolo at fullback and Felipe Niacate in the centre-half positions and Rima Freuler was flanked by Mangala and Danilo in midfield and Brennan Johnson and Emmanuel Dennis up front with Morgan Gibbs-White just like at the weekend. Now Stephen, a midweek match away at Elland Road. You'd actually originally bought the tickets way back when, before the match had been postponed due to the death of the Queen. It's been, what, about uh, 15 hours since uh, the match ended. How do you feel? Still feeling disappointed, feeling tired. It was a long day and a long evening uh, and a long coach journey back. Thank you to the roadworks near Rotherham for adding to the delay. Uh, obviously, had Forest won, we wouldn't have cared and we'd have all been <laughs> delighted. But such is football, such is the away day. Forest beaten again. And yeah, it, another deflating defeat, this one. I think having gone in front the way that we did and made a bright start to the game, rewarded with a goal, and we didn't build on it. 
Mm. And that's ultimately what has cost us. That first 45 minutes, our response to going in front was not good. We, we, we seem to lack the confidence or the know-how when we went that goal ahead to build on it. And ultimately Leeds responded and got their two goals back in that first half. And it, it set the tone really for the rest of the game. And, I said it last night. I don't think Forrest laid much of a glove on Leeds, particularly after the goal. And mm. that's ultimately the real thing that's cost them. Yeah. And having made what on paper looks like a bright start with hitting the post through Emmanuel Dennis, and then the goal was actually quite nicely worked in the end, wasn't it? But um, yep. having done that, you'd hope that they would find some resilience and, and it's, the thing that's alarming to us and we've discussed on this podcast a few times is I guess the lack of resilience and confidence that permeates through the team and the squad when they haven't got results for a while. And it seems as though last night was a real case in point. Yeah, there's a definite difference in mindset in the team and it's evident away from home because of the poor form all season on the road. And it is like we become a different team. If you contrast it to the performance against Wolves, it's the same 11 players who played against Wolves, but the performance outside of that opening 12 minutes was different. The resilience, the confidence, the composure wasn't there. And this defeat highlights probably how bad a result Saturday was now in Mm. terms of not holding on for the win against Wolves and allowing them to come back and and get a draw. Granted, I think the goal was lucky. We've, you know, we've talked about that already, Mm. but yeah, you're looking at results against Everton at home and Wolves at home. If we'd have won both of those, a defeat at Leeds while frustrating probably wouldn't seem quite as deflating or quite as damning as it does right now. Let's talk about some of the good stuff. So in the first 12 minutes, Forrest had hit the post after a corner from Morgan Gibbs-White. Now, it was a bit of a scramble. So tell me what you saw then that led to Dennis, um, Dennis's shot coming back off the woodwork. I must admit my vantage point at Ellen Road was quite low down. I was very close to the pitch, but I did see the ball coming into the box it seemed to pinball around a bit and then Dennis gets a touch on it. It hits the post and goes away and Leeds manage to clear. So uh, I didn't have the greatest of view, but it, it looks like it was one of those on another day that could put the, the post and go in or nestle in the corner and you're one up after three minutes. And who knows if that one goes in and then Mangala scores mm. as he does on 12 minutes, it could, could be a very different result. But as it was, we had that bright start and failed to really build on it. Yeah, so so with Dennis hitting the post, I mean, it was one of those goalmouth scrambles and he kind of got managed to get a clean shot in, but the angle wasn't favouring him. So and there's an argument as well with men on the line and so on, that if he'd hit it more towards the goal, it would have been blocked anyway. 
swings and roundabouts because it's all it's all hypothetical. But Forrest did take the lead, and and again Dennis was involved. So um, it was actually quite a nicely worked goal, wasn't it? Which makes what happened afterwards even more frustrating. Absolutely, the move was a slick, quick passing move, really nicely done. Good work, Morgan Gibbs, White, and Dennis. Dennis had the ball down the left, fed a quick ball in for Gibbs White back out to Dennis and he puts the ball across the face of the box to where Mangale is. And he finishes that like a seasoned striker, a really well-taken strike. To... It's that sidestep, wasn't it? So so for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen the goal yet, Mangala, you know, hung back on the edge of the box. When the ball came into him, the Leeds man came to close him down and he just took a little sidestep, which completely took his man out of the game and gave him the room to to do the shot, which he then placed low into the corner. And it was it was beautifully taken. It's like, oh, come on. And again, without wishing to go into this in too much detail, but you and I have discussed very recently about the impact of injuries. And you just think, well, Mangala is one of those players whose season was so disrupted by a lack of um, fitness and that's the kind of thing that we were expecting from him right at the start of the season when he put in that commanding performance in the West Ham home match where we thought this is a guy who could be a proper box to box, you know, getting in, getting into the other end, creating problems. And he did it. He did it. And, and, and he scored a great goal last night. And then Forrest, like you say, didn't capitalize. So this is what I need to ask you. Was Forrest's, lack of potency for the rest of that half was that down to a tactical and formation error from the gaffer i wouldn't quite put it that far on steve cooper's shoulders because as a team forest couldn't hold on to the ball the composure had gone and it it was almost like they were panicking mm-hmm. now that makes me think that they didn't know how to see out the game from being a goal up away from home. They were a bit, oh, okay, we've scored now, and and what do we do? Um, With reflection, we probably could and should have changed tactically to match leads a bit more and certainly nullify the threat down the wings that they had because it was from both wings that the goals pretty much came from. Mm. So with hindsight, we probably could have changed the shape slightly to to offer more protection to the wings. I think we were very focused on playing through the middle and and stopping Leeds through the middle, but that came at a cost. But ultimately, the Forest players were not able to hold onto the ball and just take the sting out of the game. Leeds came back, to their credit, and deserved to be level. But I think Forest on the night needed to be a little bit more present in terms of just doing simple things, holding on to the ball, not trying to hoof it upfield or hitting long for Johnson to chase, just having that bit of composure and that bit of confidence in mm. your performance as a team. It just wasn't there after the goal that we scored. Okay. And with regards to leaders equaliser, I mean, you could argue that that's a, a a case in point because it was a case of basically Mark Rocker shouldn't have been able to get that shot in, which was parried by Navas. 
you could argue Navas should have done better and pushed it further away. But then you could also argue that Harry Toffolo, who, along with Nico Williams, had a torrid time in that first half. Toff had fallen asleep a little bit. And so Harrison stole in behind him, having got the ball into the middle in the first place. So Harrison cut inside, stole in behind Toffolo and then had the freedom of the box to to fire home. It's a sloppy goal to concede, isn't it? It's sloppy. And there's a couple of phases in that goal that Forrest will be looking at and thinking we should have done better. Toffolo was beaten by Harrison to the point where Harrison could put the ball in to the middle. He had quite a lot of space because he'd beaten Toffolo and Toffolo wasn't able to stay with him. Toffolo then gets done again by Harrison. He's not aware and not switched on to the possibility of a rebound as the shot comes in from Rocker. But Kalor Navas, for me, has got to do better there as well. A keeper Mm. of his experience and quality shouldn't be parrying the ball back into danger like that. He's either got to gather it or it gets palmed away to safety and you palm it towards the the touchline, yeah, 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 to the side. And it gives the Forest players a few seconds to reset themselves. So there were a number of individual errors, team errors Mm. there that... Yeah, we, we should be better than that. This this late into a Premier League season, we should be defending a, a lot better. Mm. And I would also, you know, you'd mentioned earlier about how the Leeds wingers were were causing all the problems and, and, and you know, Leeds did have chances and, and pretty much all of their chances came from them getting down the channels, say attacking Williams and Toffolo, and and as you alluded to earlier, they maybe there was a lack of protection, which a formation or a tactical change could have could have influenced slightly, and that was brought home on the stroke of half time in stoppage time when Sinistera was able to get down that left side, get straight at Nico Williams, and so. Could Nico have done better? Does Nico have enough composure as a Premier League fullback? That's a debate that we've already had and people have expressed their opinions very clearly on that. And I think we've generally come to the conclusion that Nico is, is he's a decent player. Is he a Premier League fullback? Not quite sure. But having said that, in those situations where you've got a tricky winger running at your fullback, you also expect the fallback to have a little bit of protection to someone to double up when you know that you've got a tricky winger running at pace who's going to want to cut in and that seemed to be lacking didn't it yeah it did and when you've got Nico Williams there who he's clearly got talent but he's not at the level of seasoned Premier League fullback I think we need to give him more protection when he's in the team and that perhaps falls to Brennan Johnson and coming back and just doing a bit more defensive duty because Johnson has got the pace to break up the field quickly if we turn on the counter. He doesn't need to be high up the pitch always. He can, he's can. he got the, the explosive pace to get up the field quickly if Forrest counter. He's got that ability to come back and provide a bit more support down his side. Now, Obviously, I'm not blaming Brennan Johnson for the goal and and everything. It's a, it's a team effort, and you know the the midfield has got to come in and do a bit more as well down that right hand side. 
maybe the central midfielder just pushes out slightly to close a bit of the space. But yeah, we it 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 was a little bit naive in that first half mm. how consistent our fullbacks were being targeted, the torrid time they were having, and nothing was done to change it. And we get again close to half time, a couple of minutes to go, just get into the break at one one and see it out. And we don't manage it. We concede again right before the end of the half, and yeah, it, it puts you on the back foot uh, on the back foot going into the second half, and it does again. Sinistera, I know he's a talented player, and he's got that ability to find that net, that corner of the net with that kind of curling, bending shot. You've got to stop it though, mm. and you've got to defend better as a team. And and he did it again in the second half, but. Forrest had enough bodies in the way that he couldn't get the bend on. So yes, Navas was scrambling, but it was it was close but comfortably wide in the second half. And and yeah. that's one of the differences, isn't it? So there's two thoughts that come to my mind. Firstly, what you've just said, which is, you know what? You're absolutely right. There have been far too many times that Forrest have conceded goals in the last let's say seven or eight minutes of, of each half. Sometimes that's come in stoppage time, but you know. The Wolves match was a case in point. You go, you're at the point where it's like, you know what, we need to be holding out and putting that, putting that to bed. And to concede at the end of the first half is, yeah, sure, you've got 45 more minutes to get back into it, but it's just as damaging because it it means the game plan is ruined. It means you go in on a downer. It means you're chasing the game. So that is definitely a, a sort of a salient point. The other thing I was going to say is when you're talking about that protection for the fullbacks. We miss Ryan Yates, don't we? He'd have been there jockeying yep. for position. Yeah. He he's such a big miss for us. He he's just got the energy, he's got the drive, commitment to just do the dirty work, really. Mm-hmm. And he's prepared to graft. And I know they're all kind of hard working words that I'm using, but they typify what Yates does and what he brings to the team. Nobody else does it to the level that Yates does. And with him on the pitch, I think we'd have stood a better chance of getting something from the game. And, and I would I would add in there as well that Yates has part of his kind of astonishing development over the last 18 months has also been that kind of that adoption of the dark arts. So the fact that when he's on the pitch, he's always the first one in the face of the referee. He's always the first one who's winding up opposition players so that they have that momentary loss of control that gives the Forest players, the advantage. And without Yates in the team, there's no one else, which is astonishing when we do have plenty of Premier League experience in there or plenty of top-level experience in there. It's astonishing that they're not doing that. I think Felipe does it a little bit, but of course he's new to the country, he's new to the league and and English is far from his first language. So, um, but apart from that, you know, I, I, I want... I want my midfielders to be doing the scrappy stuff as well. And and when Yates isn't in there, there's not enough of that, is there? No. And for a team in our position where we are getting to a desperate need for points to stay above the relegation zone, we, we need to have that more, what would you call it? Maybe a streetwise attitude mm. to games, digging in, doing the dirty stuff to keep games tight and do what you can 
to get something from matches. Thinking back to that performance at Brighton earlier in the season, a nil-nil at a time when we thought we were going to go to Brighton and get pummeled, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. We batted down the hatches. It wasn't pretty at times, far from it, but it was effective. And that that basic competitiveness and almost a bit of nastiness in yeah. there to get the three points and or get a point and do what's required to not lose the game. Yeah, I, I, we've got to find that from somewhere because we miss it. And I'm I'm hopeful that Kiate and Yates can be back in the team and starting because I think with those two in there, you've got two players who are prepared to do that graft that dirty work and set the example for the rest of the side. And the Brighton match, <laughs> I remember my assessment of it at the time, because I remember, because it was, it was one of the matches that was shown on Amazon, wasn't it? So there's quite a few of my neutral friends, non-Forest supporting friends who watched that. And they're going, God, that was horrible to watch, wasn't it? Horrible. And I said, yeah, it's horrible, but I loved it because that's exactly that level of, of basic nastiness you need if you want to preserve, you know, you've, You've got to do the nasty things first at the top level, and then you earn the right to play. That's it's a, it's not a nice thing to say, and and you know we love when we see, for example, Morgan Gibbs White doing a beautiful trick and then play threading a pass through for Brennan Johnson. But you, to earn the right to do that, you've got to do the nasty stuff. And without Yates and Kuyate, we've missed that that now that know how and that edge that that has seen us which saw us have our good run of form in the in you know uh you know just prior to and just after the world cup it was that it was that basic grafting that got mm. us there to to earn the right to do the good stuff wasn't it yeah absolutely and i'm hopeful that we're getting them back just in time certainly kiate mm. yates at the minute i don't think we know when he's expected back, but hopefully sooner rather than later. And if I'm going to put a positive spin on this run of form that we're on, it is that it's got to change at some point. And we've been quite streaky. We had something like an eight game winless run earlier in the season. Then we had seven or eight games unbeaten. We've now had another eight where we've not won. Hopefully now we we can turn a corner and we've got another streaky if you like run of form mm. to come and that might just be enough to keep our head above water yeah and and as listener as if you're a regular as you'll expect we're going to come back to that a little bit later uh let's just i mean the second half there's not as much to talk about i think what we can safely say is that the match was cagey but it was still more or less 100 miles now until until everyone started to tire in the last part of the game wasn't it so let's talk about about the substitutions because that saw forest change both formation and tactics and the first changes were in midfield which as you said we got overrun so we had uh, mangala and danilo who were withdrawn and that saw shelvy and a one come on so what did that mean in terms of the formation, first of all? It meant that we had a one-year up front as a focal point with sort of Johnson playing off and Gibbs White floating behind, but 
Gibbs White couldn't get on the ball so much and it, there was more coming through John Joe Shelby mm-hmm. and his ability to hit those quick forward passes into space and get Johnson running onto them, try and get a one year on the ball, holding it up and using his little bit of pace as well to stretch that Leeds back line. It, uh, John Joe Shelby, to be fair, it was one of his better performances in a forest shirt. He looked to make things happen. Um, I must admit at first, I didn't clock that he was on the pitch. I must have missed with my low vantage point, the uh, arrival of John Joe Shelby. He's on got the pitch, quite but... a distinctive look, I have to say. I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I uh, don't know how I managed that, but uh, no, he, he was, he was a bit more in the game than he has been in recent appearances and looking to get Forrest moving forward. The, uh, the arrival of, Awanyi, I think, was was key to try and give us some presence up front, mm-hmm. but I perhaps would have started him. The thinking being, if he's on the bench, then perhaps he's ready to start instead mm-hmm. and just get him on from the outset to try and give us that more of a presence up front that we were lacking. Mm. And, I mean, from would you say that it worked positively? It gave Forrest a bit of bit of something that they'd, they had lacked previously, both of those changes? Yeah, it it did give them a bit more presence on the pitch and a bit more to aim at. Mm-hmm. And it did give the Leeds defence something to think about. The problem was, even then, we were, we were still struggling to really hold on to the ball. Mm. Taiwo was trying, but, you know, passes were going into space. Mm. They were just evading, you know, the foot of a Forest player chasing onto it. Johnson, for example... So, or Dennis for that matter. So it, it worked to a degree, but it, it wasn't very effective. It, Forrest never had a, a sustained period of pressure in that second half. And I was hoping that Leeds would get nervy, you know, with a one goal lead at home, expectant fans that perhaps they might struggle to hold on and Forrest could get a bit bit more territory, get up the pitch and put a bit more pressure on, but didn't really happen. And, you know, for all the changes we made, obviously Keate came on for Freuler, I think the same reason of just getting that presence in there. And mm. it worked up to a point, but we, we couldn't really capitalise or create any sustained pressure. Yeah, and I'm guessing really that what what Cooper was hoping for by putting Shelby on and also that the formation change, apart from obviously everything you've mentioned to do with the one year was also by having two more static midfielders in the center of the park to try and try and counter that. And by adding a bit of width to the team, by changing to the kind of four, two, three, one type formation um, that that helped protect the fullbacks a little bit when leads were obviously going to be sitting back and defending their lead slightly more. Um, just as a footnote, let's mention the last two subs. So Dennis went off and he looked injured and surely we can't have another injury. He was replaced by Andre Ayew and Morgan Gibbs-White went off and was replaced by Gustavus Scarpa. Um, it's it, right. Let's, let's talk about um, the elephant in the room here. We're chasing the game. We need a goal. And Sam Surridge must be thinking, what the hell do I need to do to get a chance to do this? Because when Dennis came off, surely that's when you put Sammy on rather than for all of Andre Ayew's qualities, Surridge is more of a natural goal scorer, isn't he? 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm surprised that Sam Surridge isn't at least being given a shot in this team. Um, yeah, on the basis of he can finish. I think if the ball drops to him in the penalty area, he has got the ability to produce an instinctive finish. And I know what IU has goals in him. I know he's had that in the past as well, and he's got experience, but I personally don't see how he's ahead of Surridge in the packing order. Certainly in this instance, it seems odd yeah. that he was, he was the man chosen. It does. It does. Cause he, he wasn't really all that effective either. Mm. He was playing, he was drifting out wide. He was, you know, I think he was looking to stretch the Leeds defence, but again, Forrest didn't have that presence of a striker up there alongside a Wadney that could really trouble the Leeds defenders and think, okay, this guy can finish. We better watch what we're doing and, and make sure that we don't give him an opportunity. And Sam, Sammy, he's mobile as well. He can run. Mm-hmm. We know that. He can run the channels. He's He's not a static player by any stretch. So... Mm. Yeah, that I'm a little bit surprised by that. That's one thing where I would say to to Steve Cooper is I'm not fully understanding why IU is getting in last night instead of Sam Surridge coming off the bench. Yeah, and the, I will I will add the same thing that I've said in all the years that we've been podcasting about football is that. The strain, no matter who the manager is, there'll always be selection decisions where you scratch your head and go, I have no idea what's going on there. Now, let's finish talking about the match because although Forrest did have a number of kind of speculative efforts which were blocked, so I think um, IU and Shelby had had shots which were blocked and as Leeds were kind of trying to hold out and actually as we ex- as we would expect Leeds almost hit us on the counter so Bamford had a chance after a mix-up between Williams and Felipe which he lashed wide and then right at the death I think it was um Somerville who who kind of got through and and got in behind and 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 put it wide when he really probably should have killed the game from a home team perspective so it ended 2-1 to Leeds the 1865 match report Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Stephen, you've told us how you felt after last night's match and you've told us about some of the kind of the things that maybe went wrong. Um, the manager is under pressure or so it would seem. Certainly the media would have us saying that. And in the post-match interview... Steve Cooper, to his credit, didn't shy away from the question, which we've seen so many managers do. And in fact, he even said, I know why you're asking me that. I respect the question. I understand it. But I'm not that guy that thinks like that. So he made a point of saying, you know, the club comes first and I'm really proud to be representing the club. And any 
sort of worry, disappointment, frustration that I'm feeling right now is the fact that Forest have lost a game that they could have done so much better in. I mean, he's saying the right things, but as Baz has mentioned, we're also experiencing the same things week in, week out. And if the performance against Wolves was enough to earn Cooper a stay of execution if his job is under threat, the result wasn't good. Last night, the result wasn't good, and we're under the cosh. But, you know, the best team won. So where does this leave the manager? Do you think he'll still be in charge at the weekend? Well, as it stands, we've not heard any announcement from the club. So I'm hoping that means that Cooper will be in charge at the weekend. I I look at several factors. Yes, you can point to the fact that Cooper can be doing certain things better. And I'm sure that that's the case. Uh, Well, in fact, I think that is the case. And he will feel that himself. He speaks with an honesty and a frankness, which I think is refreshing. And it shows that not only does he care about the job, he cares about the club and he wants to be successful. And I'm not prepared to give up on Steve Cooper yet. I think he performed a miracle to get us into this position in the first place. And I understand the sentiment of, We're in the Premier League and we want to stay here. I get that. What I don't get is ripping up the process just to bring in a short-term appointment that might keep you up. But then in the summer, you might be looking for a new manager. So again, you're, you're ripping up the culture, you're disrupting the dressing room and you are potentially throwing away 18 months worth of work because what Steve Cooper's done to bring the club together, the players, the fans, the city of Nottingham, it's remarkable. We we were going nowhere before Cooper came into the club and there was the potential for had the next managerial appointment after Chris Hutton not been very good the potential for things to turn toxic. Steve Mm. Cooper has galvanised Nottingham Forest. And I think we as a fan base need to stick by him through this tough period. I think the ownership do because he's performed a miracle to get Forest here and he's been rewarded by having to perform another miracle to keep us here with all the players that have come in, with the injuries that he's had to deal with with the ver- the fact that the club is fresh to Premier League football after so long away. There are so many mitigating factors to this, and he's got so much credit in the bank as far as I'm concerned. And from what I'm seeing from Forest fans at the game, on the bus travelling back last night, on social media, fans love Steve Cooper and they're behind him. And I just hope that as a club, we hold our nerve. It's a tough period but I think we've got to hold our nerve because I do not see at this point in the season what changing the manager does or who would come in and do a better job. I don't think there's anybody out there who would. Well, you you answered the next question I was going to ask, which was, you know, as somebody who's, who's at the game in amongst the away end, we know that Cooper got a really strong show of support from the home fans on Saturday 
it sounds as though he's getting that strong, same strong show of support from the fans last night. Um, Tom of this parish, uh, so regular listeners, you'll know our Tom Newton. He's out of the country at the moment, and he was watching the game with a loads of Leeds fans, and they said we've got the same affinity as Cooper as Leeds had with Bielsa. And actually, in, in, to a certain extent, you almost need to divorce yourself from that and, and kind of think about the rational versus the emotional. But even from a rational basis... Again, in our group chat, Adam pointed out that, well, the appointment would have to be a perfect one. And and from what you just said there, Stephen, as well, the analogy for many, many years was was what the Pozzo family have done with Watford, where they changed manager regularly, but sustained that Premier League status. And then this year has been a house of cards where they're still taking the same approach. And actually, they've realised they've not got anything to build on. And there's a danger there, isn't there? Because if Forrest... I don't think there's anything to be gained from getting rid of Cooper at this stage because statistically changing manager in March or April doesn't leave you any better off at the end of the season than you would have been otherwise. There's evidence to do that to to, to back that up and the Athletic wrote an article about it recently. If Forrest go down, then can you think of a better man who's more suited to the club than Stevie Cooper to to do a job in the championship? And then even if we stay up, yes, you could argue, well, now now's the time to get a, a manager who's more suited to, to top flight football. There's an argument there, but would you get a manager who gets the club in the way that Cooper does? So there's counter arguments to all of those. And I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking about those. But I don't think there's anything to be gained from a change of manager. And I, I really hope that that the powers that be at the club also think the same, don't you? Yeah, you look back earlier in the season after Leicester when it felt like Cooper might be on his way out and the club rewarded him with a new contract and showed their support for him. And it really galvanised us, galvanised everybody, the club, players, manager, I think everybody knew where they stood. It was like, right, okay then. We're going to make a fight of this and we're in it together. And I think we need a similar show of unity now. And back Steve Cooper, make it clear that he's the man for the job and let's just give it a damn good go in this last eight or nine games and see where we end up. Mm. Nobody wants to get relegated, of course. Nobody, given the choice, would want to be relegated. But... Teams do get relegated from the Premier League after they come up. It happens, but they can go down, they can rebuild, they can keep hold of their best players for a season or two and have another shot at coming up and ultimately end up in a stronger position for having done so. You think of Burnley under Sean Dyche, got promoted, I think it was his first full season there, relegated in the first season in the Premier League, they come straight back up and then they have six or seven years in the Premier League as quite a solid team. Fulham, the last time Fulham were in the Premier League before this season, they were seen as a basket case, bringing in so many players, ended up relegated. Well, they did a Fulham, didn't they? They did a Fulham, yeah. But they went down, they've got Marco Silva in, they've stabilised, come back up and now look at them, they're, they're flying this season and they look a good team for it. So relegation, while it stings and hurts in the moment, 
given our history, given where we've been, it wouldn't be, I don't think, a fatal blow to the club. I think it could be an opportunity to settle things down after everything that's happened this season, give Steve Cooper the opportunity in the championship to get us back up and build that settled team and then come back into the Premier League a stronger force. Mm. Ultimately, though, if we can get over the line this season, brilliant. If we can stay up, fantastic. And we just keep building. And regular listeners, that's why Stephen Topless is Mr. Optimistic on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Just to finish off, um, look, I mean, I mentioned the table a little bit earlier and we will recap that. But before we just do that, the next four fixtures, Villa away, Man United, Liverpool, Brighton. It doesn't get any easier, does it? It doesn't, no. Four difficult fixtures, each one of them. But... I'm hoping, again, to put my positive spin on it, that because we're not fancied, we treat them as a free hit. Nobody fancied us to get a point against Man City earlier in the season. I thought we gave a decent account of ourselves against Newcastle in a match that we weren't expected to get anything from, and we nearly did. We beat Liverpool earlier in the season, albeit at home, but again, probably weren't expected to get anything there. So we've got to look at going to an inform Aston Villa and think, well, it's an opportunity. We might just catch them on the day, put in a good performance ourselves. Nobody fancies us. Let's just see what happens. And again, at Anfield and when Man United come to the city ground, just give it a go. You've beaten Mm -hmm. top teams at home already this season. I still think we've got another surprise result in us from somewhere. And what that result might come in, in the next four games. Yeah. Let's go to the table. Um, well, I mean, we have to believe that, that the results will come in those next four games, even though they're really difficult. And looking at the table, Southampton are bottom with 23 points. Leicester next bottom. And we were so grateful, apparently. Um, I heard, I've not seen the evidence yet, but I heard on the radio that they had a penalty, which was, looked at and not given late on in their match against Villa. So if they'd got an equaliser there, that would have added a whole different dimension to things. So they're on 25. Bournemouth are level on points with us, but are the only team who've got a worse goal difference, which is keeping Forest above the line of the relegation zone. Then it's Everton, also on 27 points, but with a better goal difference. West Ham, also on 27 points, with a better goal difference and games in hand. Um, before we go to Wolves in 14th on 28, Leeds on 29, and then Palace on 30 points. And then there's that big chasm to Chelsea, who are 11th on 39. And so loads of teams all, you know, in the same tiny little ballpark. And it's insane, isn't it? Um, Everton are probably the other team who've got an equally rough run in. Um, but they have managed to kind of turn their form around ever so slightly with wins and draws. And so it's going to be tight. And now it's time to give you some breaking news. Uh, Stephen, while we've been recording just in the last few minutes, tell us what you found out. The Forest owner, Evangelos Maranakis, has released a statement in which he is backing Steve Cooper and saying that he remains manager at Nottingham Forest. 
No one denies that our club is in a difficult position in the Premier League, but we wish to end the speculation and false and disruptive reporting in the media to confirm that Steve Cooper remains our manager at Nottingham Forest. We have all been disappointed with recent performances and it is very clear that a lot of hard work needs to be done to address this urgently. Results and performances must improve immediately. Now is the time for everyone connected with our club, from us as owners to the board, our supporters, backroom staff, coaches and players to come together and fight to secure our status in the Premier League. There can be no time for distractions, rumours and speculation. There is only time for hard work, determination, a commitment from Steve and the players to getting the results we need and, of course, the continued magnificent support of the fans of Nottingham Forest. Okay, so thank you very much for reading that statement there, Stephen. And it's a it's a considered statement. It's not just, you know, the standard vote of confidence. Don't worry, we've got the gaffers back. But what's your instinct telling you? Is that a sign of the fact that the owner is actually backing Cooper and thinks he's the right man for the job? Is it a bit of bluster? Is it somewhere in between is that a sign that maybe you know one of the one of the many signs that Maranakis has realized that ownership of a club in the UK is very different to ownership of a club in Greece where you can hire and fire with alacrity what do you think I think he's seen the support from the fans for Steve Cooper it's been unwavering for the last couple of weeks and throughout the season and I must admit I'm I'm glad to see a very considered but also quite powerful message there where he's talking about the media speculation of which there has been for the last week or two around Steve Cooper's future, talking about how disruptive that is and unwelcome it is. And he has said that everybody's got to pull together while the results have not been up to standard. Everybody pulls together and fights. And I think that's a really strong statement and a real positive step a similar step to what we spoke about not long ago, that contract that was offered to Steve Cooper in the wake of the Leicester defeat was a real galvanising force on the club and the players and everybody involved. So I'm hoping that this statement has a, a similar impact. Yeah, it's, as I say, it's not the standard vote of confidence type of statement. So no. we will see what that means. As uh, We'll be back after the Villa match with a match report and obviously a chance to reflect upon how things are going at that point. So in the meantime, thank you very much to Stephen. Thank you to the 1865 podcast on production duties. You may have heard beavering around in the background. And thank you very much, listener, for joining us. We'll be back at the weekend. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.